When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast to help you feel more like yourself within your motherhood. Each 30-minute episode features three actionable takeaways to help you become a more self-assured mom, someone who knows yourself, honors your needs, and loves your people. Listen in to feel encouraged as we learn together how to overcome overwhelm and find more magic in motherhood. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. I'm so glad you're here. Our school year has been in session for a few weeks now, and since my kids are finally all settled in, I'm feeling a nudge to reach out to their teachers this next week to check in and see how I can support them and support my children. This is what it looks like to advocate for your kids, to build that teacher-parent relationship, and it has been especially important for me with my child who is neurodivergent. For this particular child, I always write a personalized email towards the beginning of the year to each of their individual teachers introducing myself and my child, reminding them of their 504 accommodations, and letting them know that I'm there to support them if any issues come up. This kind of proactive advocating has proven to be so helpful in ensuring this child's success, but it's also important that both of my children learn how to advocate for themselves, because I can't be with them 100% of the time. They need to know the skills for how to get their needs met and talk to adults when I'm not around. That's what today's Encore episode is all about, and I have to say, this is one of my all-time favorite, most impactful conversations that I've had on 3 and 30. This episode originally aired back in the fall of 2020, and my guest is Dr. Tracy Baxley. She is a professor, an author, and a belonging advocate who has been an educator for over 30 years with degrees in child development, elementary education, and curriculum and instruction. She's also a mother of five children, and she is passionate about teaching them how to courageously advocate for themselves. In 2021, Dr. Baxley wrote a beautiful book called Social Justice Parenting, and she says that her mission is to, quote, create space for belonging at home while raising children who create belonging in the world, end quote. I think that is such a beautiful mission, and I have to say that after following Dr. Baxley's work for several years, I truly love her soul and all of the good and truth that she puts out into the world. I'm so grateful to be able to re-air her episode on 3 and 30 that was originally recorded in the fall of 2020. So here we go. Dr. Tracy Baxley, welcome to 3 and 30. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. This is fantastic. I love your brand. Oh, thank you. I'm so excited to have you here. I love following you on Instagram and all the goodness that you share over there. And I knew we had to get you on the podcast. And I've heard you on several other podcasts as well, talking about this topic of teaching our children to advocate for themselves and to know their needs and to help others meet their needs. And so to start off, why don't you tell us a bit about your family and why you felt it was so important to model for your children and explicitly teach them how to advocate for themselves? Yeah, for sure. I, um, I'm a mother of five children mm-hmm. and um, my children are biracial. So mm-hmm. my husband is white 
and that itself has its own unique skills that they have to navigate in the world, yes. right? I also have children. Uh, I have a child who is diagnosed with ADHD. Mm-hmm. I have a child who was diagnosed with OCD with you know high anxiety issues, mm-hmm. and then I have another child who more recently was diagnosed um, with depression. So she is doing very well and is fighting her way through out of it. But yeah, so my kids all have very unique needs mm-hmm. and I'm not always around to be able to help them navigate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in the process of learning how to parent children with these unique needs, I thought it was very important that my children know who they are, own whatever issues or whatever blessings that they have mm-hmm. and how to get support in the ways that they need it. Yes. Oh, that's so powerful because we can't be with our children all the time. And so we have to teach them how to do the things that we often do for them. And there are so many moms who reach out to me specifically for resources for children with ADHD and for children with anxiety and depression. And so this is going to be so helpful for them as well as just these are skills that any child can use to get their needs met in the world. Yes, for sure. I mean, it's a life skill that is important to to be able to really get what you want out of the world. And also, it, it's not just about yourself, but it, it teaches you how to ask for help when you need the help. Yes. Like, you know, that you don't have to go it alone with everything. Exactly. Yes. It's not like a selfish get what you want. It's a... It's ask for help, get what you need, get the support that you need, and then also give the support to others that they need. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Well, let's jump into our three takeaways. Do you just want to start with your first? Yeah. So the first thing that I would say that you need to do is really spend time really getting to know your child and helping them to know their own strengths in the areas that they need support Mm -hmm. with. So, I mean, it really does start with us spending some one-on-one time with our children and really seeing who they are. I always say, you know, we have to parent the the kids that we got, not necessarily the kids that we thought we would get. Yes. (laughs) And so getting to know who they are really, it's really the first step in helping them know who they are and what their needs are is really important. Mm. And we do this, you know, we really can do it just on a daily basis. I know sometimes when my kids are playing sports, when they finish, I always say, okay, what did you do well? And then after they tell me things they did well, I said, okay, what what were you most proud of today? Or what can you do differently or better the next time? So that they are aware and mindful of giving myself the compliment, but also knowing that there's some things that I could still get better at. And then also as a mom, it lets me see whether they have a good balance of how to compliment themselves without going overboard and how to be able to navigate the space of, you know what, I don't have it all together, but this is what I can work on without being too negative on themselves. So it gives me an idea of where I need to work with that child based on how they can self-monitor. Yes, because you could go, and and we all have children who go to one extreme or the other, who, yes. who maybe are overly complimentary of themselves and never can acknowledge the ways they need to improve, or the children that are so negative about themselves and don't know how to also build themselves up. So I love that yes. you said, gives you a measure of the balance that each individual child has. And it's just teaching them to be reflective, which isn't 
something that is automatic for children to think about their performance, how they're doing their strengths and weaknesses. And in a pretty matter of fact way, not in a self-critical, I stink, I'm the worst, but just saying matter of factly, these are my strengths. These are areas where I could improve. And then yes. kind of brainstorming, okay, how are we going to work on that? The areas where you're going to improve. Yep. And, and that's exactly where you want them to be, to just know it as a fact of who they are mm-hmm. with no judgment one way or the other. And, and being able to see that and use that in order to be able to help themselves in the future. Yeah. Yes. That's beautiful. Let's take a quick break to thank this episode's sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Brook Linen. Brook Linen makes luxury bed sheets, pillows, comforters, and blankets. Tis the season for all things cozy. And I have to say that leveling up to quality bedding is one of my favorite parts of adulting. Brook Linen's crisp sheet sets come in earthy fall colors that are just as beautiful as they are comfortable. Brook Linen was founded by husband and wife duo Rich and Vicky in 2014, and their mission is to provide their customers with hotel quality, award-winning luxury bedding. I can honestly say they do just that. I have the classic core sheet set in solid white, and I'm absolutely delighted by them. Is there anything better than climbing into comfy hotel quality sheets at the end of a long day? No, no, there is not. Brooklinen's internet famous sheets have over 100,000 five-star reviews. They've won multiple awards from industry experts, and they're made with long staple cotton for longevity and softness. Experience the difference for yourself and check out Brooklinen's new fall collection. Visit in-store or online at brooklinen.com and use code 3IN30 for $20 off your online order of $100 or more. That's B-R-O-O-K-L-I-N-E-N.com, promo code 3IN30 for $20 off. This podcast is also sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Today on the show, we're talking about an incredibly important topic, advocating for our kids and teaching them how to advocate for themselves. I have to admit, it took me into adulthood before I really learned how to advocate for myself, and most of the skills that I've learned have come from years of working with therapists. In therapy, I've learned how to identify my needs, ask for help, set boundaries, and speak up for myself when I didn't feel comfortable with something. I hope these are skills that I can teach my children much earlier than I ever learned them, and I'm so grateful for the licensed professional counselors that I have worked with over the last 10 years. If you've ever thought of trying therapy, I highly recommend starting with BetterHelp. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Start by filling out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And don't forget you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. If you often find your thoughts spinning and you need somewhere to process and talk through them all, therapy can help. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash 3in30 today and get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash 3in30. And then what is your second takeaway? My second takeaway is once you've had the conversation about knowing who they are, they know who they are. The second thing is to really then to be able to articulate the needs that they have mm-hmm. and teaching them to be comfortable with telling their own stories. Okay. So for example, my son who has ADHD was in public school and it was difficult for him and the school system where it was set up was not working for him. So I started homeschooling him and the first 
curriculum that we did was what is ADHD? What does this mean to you? How does this Mm. impact your world? And so we did like three months on defining what it is, what he should eat, what he should do, how this is actually could be a blessing for him. What do you need to say to people who say something about ADHD? Look at all the other people you know, smart, brilliant, successful people who were diagnosed with ADHD so that he really knew who he was, was able to embrace his story as somebody with ADHD and not wore it more like a badge, right? And not something Mm. to be ashamed about. And he fully understood it. He understood what was going on in his mind and body. Exactly. So when he was being like impulsive, I could say a word to him that would trigger him remembering what he learned and some skills that he could use to su- to support himself in trying to get back in control. Mm. And it also helped with him to be able to articulate his needs. Like he would say to my husband, you know, I'm not trying to be X, Y, Z. I just may need a minute to be by myself mm. or, you know, I'm going to go take a swim in the pool because I feel like I have a lot of energy. Yeah. So he was able to kind of own it a little bit more and be a little bit more mindful of the attributes of ADHD and try to channel those in a more positive way. Yes. And I know it's so, I feel like it's so powerful for me when someone gives me kind of a term or a label for what I've been feeling. It feels so empowering to be like that, that is what's going on in me, you know? Um, yes. And so I'm sure for him to have an understanding really was empowering how as a mom do you balance that with not wanting him to use his diagnosis as like a crutch or to always say, well, I have ADHD, so I can't focus right now or whatever that may be. Yes. And and actually I think learning about it helped with that. Oh, really? Because yes, because he now knows like scientifically what it is and what it's not. And then when he would try to use it in a way that didn't align with what he learned I could just say, you know, does that align with what you read and what you learned and what we studied? Mm. And he would be able to say, okay, okay, right. It's not. Right. Or I can, I can, I can help that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think it, it empowered him. And then it also gave me the leverage just to put it back on him. You know, Mm -hmm. is that appropriate? Yeah. Uh, Is that something you can control? Yeah. And do you feel like, I, I know there are some moms who feel like They'd rather not talk in depth about the diagnosis or the disability if there is one because they're afraid it will become a label for the child to the child themselves or to others. Have you ever felt that it has been like a negative label for your son that he knows this about himself, that he limits himself because of it? I don't find that to be the case. I've found that that label empowers my children. I remember when my oldest son was first diagnosed with OCD, right? He had some intrusive thoughts, but now he's totally gotten that totally under control and he's in a really great place. Mm -hmm. But when I said, oh, this is what that is. He was like, oh my God, I did not, I thought it was just me. I'm like, Mm -hmm. no, there's thousands, thousands of people (laughs) who also have that. And so that was more empowering because it's like, okay, this is not something about me. This is something really about my brain that I can fix and I'm not the only one. Yes. And I love that you mentioned that in your curriculum you developed with your son, you also researched 
successful people who'd had this, who had ADHD. I know one of my podcast sponsors from a few months ago is Bravery Magazine, and they feature a different female role model in each issue. And they did an issue about Temple Grandin. And they said that some of the best feedback that they've gotten from parents is that they've been able to use that Temple Grandin issue to talk to their children who have autism about autism and say, you have this as well. And look at how successful and what a difference Temple's made in the world and how this is really a gift that you have. And so it's given them someone to look to who's a role model that has that same condition. Yeah, I love that. That's that's beautiful. And I think this is something that parents could do, even if they're not homeschooling, just to get books around it, to kind of develop a little unit around it and have it be a focus to teach them. And this year, when we a lot of us are having our kids home at least part of the time, I know my kids are doing a hybrid. They're two days a week in school and then three days a week doing distance learning. I have more time with them that I could maybe do something like this and develop a little unit around their specific needs. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think the time will allow for us to really specialize in the things that our children are interested in or the things that really matter to us as a family. Yes. And I just think about, as I heard you describing this, I think about a friend of mine who he's on the spectrum. I think they they would have called it Asperger's before. I'm pretty sure they don't use that label anymore. But his mom was really adamant that he not be labeled that way all growing up. And so he never got the additional support that he could have gotten in school. And she thought that she was really serving him. In fact, they never had him tested, even though they were pretty sure they never had him tested because they didn't want him to have that label. And Mm -hmm. as an adult, he got tested and he told me what relief it was to finally have words to describe what was different about him and to be able to access the support that you can get through having an IEP or different things in school that he wishes his mom would have done that sooner, even though he knows it was only out of love that she was trying to protect him from that label. He does wish that she would have just embraced it and taught him about it more fully. Yeah. Yeah. I, I found that to be true too. When I was teaching in the school system, a lot of parents are not wanting the, their children labeled. And I mean, and I understand that it can be scary because sometimes when people label your children, they also put limitations on them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the more we're talking about them, the more that these things are not taboo and the more we can use those to empower, mm-hmm. I think the, the better and the more that children can be able to self-advocate for create the changes that they need for themselves. Yes, And I think we also have to make sure that we are not assuming that our children will be able to do this on their own, right? So we really have to have practice. Mm-hmm. They have to see what advocating for yourself looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times I would do that that talk out loud with my kids around so that they could hear what my brain is thinking, like what their brain should be thinking as they're making decisions mm, so yes. that they can see it in action and be able to practice it on their own. Yeah. So can you give an example of that, of when you would sort of talk out loud to model for them advocating for themselves? Yeah. Like if we are out and we're getting a service done, whether it's like getting the car fixed or out at a restaurant and things, I know my daughter and I have gone to like get our nails done or something and the service is not done well. Mm. Um, my kids are always like, well, let's just go. Let's just go. It's no big deal. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> we, we are paying for a service. I'm not saying we have to be rude and we have to be obnoxious about it, 
but we need to decide whether it's something that we need to say out loud to either get it fixed or to make sure that the next person that comes in is getting the service that they deserve. Yes. And so I would say like, okay, these are the pros of saying, should I say something, you know, because this is not the food that I really ordered. I don't really like it. What if I was allergic to these eggs that they put on my plate when I say don't put the eggs on there? I think I'm going to say something because it's kind of a big deal if we're paying our money and we came out to enjoy dinner and we end up with the wrong thing. But I don't want them to get in trouble because what if their manager sees that they put in the wrong order? So I'll go through the scenarios and then just make the decision whether it's worth me speaking out and advocating for myself or talking it out loud. It decided that it's not that big of a deal and we'll just kind of keep moving forward. Mm. So in any chance that you get to be able to have those conversations out loud are worth it because your children can then start to unpack what that really looks like. Mm. Yes. And I do that too with my kids on the phone. Like my young, <laughs> my younger kids were like, if we're ordering something or I need them to call to verify something on the phone, they don't like to do it. You know, they're so used to texting yeah, stuff. Yeah. And I'm like, no. This is a chance for you to be able to speak to somebody, to tell them what you need, and to be able mm-hmm. to have a conversation about it. And so I kind of make my kids do the phone thing where they have to make decisions and speak to another adult about what, what their needs are. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like that's so much easier for certain temperaments of children and personalities. My son has always been willing to go up to the counter at a restaurant and ask for, you know, the napkins or the ketchup or say that something wasn't quite right. He likes to go up and give his name at the doctor's office instead of having me give his name. He wants to sort of check in, which is great, great. And I encourage it. I absolutely encourage it because that's teaching him to advocate for himself. My daughter is more shy. And so I I have to walk the line between supporting her and also teaching her to be her own advocate and to speak up and to talk to adults. And she's only six. So we're still, you know, we have plenty of time. But to be aware of that, that as much as possible, having them do some of those things for themselves Mm -hmm. teaches them how to speak up when you're not around and they need to speak up for themselves. Right. And then you just you just scaffold that learning. Right. You can say your name. I'm going to stand right next to you while you say your name, you mm-hmm. know? And so you kind of scaffold that learning in that. Um, and as they start getting good at those small things, then you back off a little bit and give them something bigger to work on. I know you're talking about asking for the ketchup. And I was, <laughs> we went through a drive through with my little one a few a couple of years ago. And I think he got like nuggets and they didn't have, he, they didn't give him the sauce. Mm-hmm. We were pulling out and he was like, oh man, they didn't give my sauce. And I said, you know, let's go back and ask for the sauce. He goes, no, 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 I don't need it. I don't need it. I said, I'm turning around. You're going to get out of this car <laughs> and walk into that restaurant because see, this is low stakes here. Yes. You've got to learn to do the low stake things. So when the high stakes things come, like when your friends are telling you, to try this or to go there right. or to drink that, you need to have language around that and practice of saying no and being able to say why. Yes. And so I forced him <laughs> <laughs> to get out of the car and go do it. And then when he got back, I'm like, was it that bad? What did we learn? Yes. Why did mom make you do that? Yeah. Yes. So sometimes we do have to push them a little bit mm-hmm. um, that when it's low stakes, you know? Yes. I love these like practical real world examples that 
we, we as moms encounter opportunities every day to teach our kids and model these things for our kids, but we just may not think about it. We may not think I should have them go do that. Or I should talk this decision out loud that I usually, I normally just make in my brain. I should talk it out loud so my kids can hear me doing it and see the model of it. Yes. Yes. And then what's your third takeaway? So the third takeaway is then teaching them how to build a support team that they need. Like we know mom and dad are are the first support team, right? Mm -hmm. But you're going to need people outside of your house to be your support team. So if you're in school and you, like uh, my son needed, uh, he has test anxiety. So he needed like a quiet, small space for testing. He got it in his um, IEP. And so I don't go to your teacher. I'm not going to your teacher to tell your teacher that's what you need. That's your your job. Mm -hmm. So who do you need to tell in Mm -hmm. school? Who are those people? What do you need to say to those? So we practice it. We write it down. Okay, your teacher, your teacher, the first week of class, you need to say, this is who I am. Have you read my 504 plan? Mm -hmm. Um, And and the guidance counselor, how do you make an appointment with your guidance counselor to make sure she's on board and she's talked to your teacher? And so I try to get my children to see who those team members are, because like we said earlier, right, it doesn't mean self-advocacy doesn't mean you're going in alone. It's, you know, when you are your own help, you know who else you need to help you and when. And so we, we try to figure out mm-hmm. what that team looks like in this situation. And then you do the job of pulling that team together. Yes. And what I love about this too is it's it's very proactive and it's also when you can be your own advocate, I feel like you can have more grace for other people because you're not expecting them to know everything about you and meet your needs and remember all the details because you know you can just ask for it if somebody yes. doesn't. Because I was a high school English teacher for years and I had many, many students with IEPs and I had a lot of kids I was juggling. And so it may be that I forgot that a kid gets extended time for a test or needs a different yes. environment. And I had some kids who wouldn't say anything and then I'd get an infuriated call later when I had, but then I had other kids who would just say, come up to me quietly and they don't need to make a big deal about it and say, Miss Nielsen, mm-hmm. remember I get, and I'd say, oh yes, yes. And it was just, it was so compassionate of those kids and so mature of them to know their own needs and to just uh, respectfully communicate them to me and not assume the worst of me, assume that I hadn't read it or that I was purposely denying them of what they needed. Yes. Oh, I love that you kind of brought that full circle. That's exactly right. That's what I said to him. Your teacher has hundreds of students. Right. They're not going to know. They don't remember that. They, they may not even remember for the next test. Right. That's your job. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They, thank you for bringing that full circle. That's great. Yeah. Know yourself, know what you need and know how to ask for what you need in a respectful way. And then obviously if your needs aren't being respectfully accommodated, then you may need to move on to a next step where you talk to somebody that, you know, but to just start and lead out with just respectfully asking for what you need, I think is really powerful. And another thing that I love about this takeaway is that brainstorming in advance with your kids, kind of who their support team is, I think can alleviate a lot of anxiety. I know for me, I have anxiety 
you know, day to day, I struggle with anxiety, but it gets a lot worse after I have babies. And I'll sometimes go through like wild, like I'm, I'm fearful. And I have like these wild what ifs where I'm like, what if something happened in the night with the baby and I had to leave and who would take care of Noah? And like, it's not rational, but it's still real. It's still real to me, you know? And one thing that's been helpful is for me to actually play that out to the end and say, okay, what would I do then? Well, I don't have a close neighbor or friend that I know well enough to call on a whim. So I need to work on developing that friendship so that I do have somebody or I do have Mm -hmm. a neighbor or friend that I could call. And I'm going to give them a heads up that if I ever had an emergency situation, they would be the one that I would call. And then once I kind of know that the plan and I know who my support team is, I can just relax a little bit. And so especially for like anxious kiddos, I think if you talk them through, if you get really overwhelmed or scared at school and you feel like you're going to have a panic attack, who is a safe person that you could go to that would help you at school? And let's write that person's name down and maybe even have a conversation proactively with them and say, is it okay if I come to you if I'm in a really tough spot? And I think that can ease so much anxiety. Yes. And there's so many adults that are willing and so excited to help with that in schools. Yeah. I I mean, I would be honored if a student chose me as the person that they would come to, you know? And so even just them having that conversation, even if they never actually have to do that by, by the fact with them having the conversation, they build a closer connection with that teacher or that adult in the school, just simply by the adult knowing that this child trusts them. Yes. And that, like you say, that alleviates so much of the anxiety knowing that if I need it, that's already in place. Mm-hmm. So I feel like so often with my anxiety, I sometimes, and I'm sure with children with anxiety, parents are, have the instinct to kind of shut it down and say, that will never happen and try to reassure and say, that will never happen. That will never happen. But instead saying, okay, if that does happen, what would we do? And yes. like playing it out, I think can really calm anxieties. At least it does for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a great idea. Well, this has been such an amazing conversation. So many practical takeaways and tidbits in here for helping our children, whatever their needs might be. Did you have anything else you want to add to any of these takeaways before we end? And it's okay if you don't, but I just didn't want to cut you off. Yeah, no, the the, the only thing that I want to say is really to make sure that you are praising them as they start to get better. Like, you know, obviously they won't be great at it in the beginning, but making sure that you're building them up as they are learning and becoming more aware and being able to advocate more. So it's a process and, um, you know, have some grace with them and um, praise them as they, as they start to develop more and more of it. Yes, absolutely. And I think it's so powerful to use the word yet. Yes. You know, they, you haven't mastered this yet. I even sometimes do that with Sally when she's really shy. I'll say to the other adult. I'll say, Sally is still learning how to use her voice or Sally hasn't mastered this yet, but we're working on it just to let them know, the child know in the way that I'm speaking about them, that they're going to get better at this and they're going to make mistakes and they're going to improve. That's great. Well, I can't thank you enough for your time today and for the work that you do for families. It's so needed. It's so inspiring. And if moms listening want more education from you, what types of courses or coaching opportunities do you offer? Yeah, I do one-on-one coaching and I do also small group coaching. And I got yes. my uh, social justice parenting book. Oh, wow. 
so many exciting things. And I'll definitely link your website and your Instagram profile so people can follow along. And thank you so much for your time and for coming on 3 and 30. And we'll definitely stay in touch with your work. And we're just so grateful to have had you. Awesome. Thank you, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening in to that re-air of my fabulous conversation with Dr. Tracy Baxley. Isn't she phenomenal? She's so intentional, so calming and wise. And as a quick recap, her three takeaways for teaching children how to advocate for themselves are, first, spend time getting to know your child and helping them reflect on their strengths and weaknesses. You can do this by asking them what they did well and what they want to improve on after a sports activity or an assessment at school. Get them thinking about their own progress in a matter-of-fact way. Second, support children in articulating their needs by giving them a thorough understanding of their unique needs, whether those are diagnosed conditions that you want them to understand about themselves or simply just personality preferences and learning styles. I loved her idea of building out a little curriculum about ADHD for her son so he could understand it better and accept that his limitations weren't a personal failing, but were the result of a biological condition and he could ask for support. And third and finally, teach children to brainstorm who could be on their support team or what resources might help them. And as I mentioned in the interview, if it helps them to actually plan it out, write it out, or even ask the support person in advance, then help them to do that. You may have to practice with them what a conversation would sound like if they have to approach a teacher to ask for their accommodations. Just role play and help them feel comfortable and safe utilizing their support team. This conversation left me empowered and excited to look for opportunities in my daily life with my children to weave in some practice with self-advocacy. I want them to be courageous advocates of their own needs, and I know that starts with me and what I model for them. My friends, as we end, I just want to remind you, as I always do, that you are doing a really good job. Your kids are lucky to have you, and I hope that you have a fabulous week with your family. Mathis, the host of the Cool Mom Code podcast, where motherhood is your key card to the coolest spot in town. I'm excited to give you a behind the scenes, real talk combo between some of the most influential and tastemaker mamas I know. Subscribe and stay tuned for new episodes weekly on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen so you don't ever miss a beat. See you there.